Hello. Welcome. Call it like I see it. Presented by Disruption Now. I'm James Keys, and in this episode of Call It Like I See It, we're going to discuss the metaverse and the huge technological, social, and financial opportunities that many say it will be providing in the near future. And later on, we're going to react to recent reports that microplastics are now, in addition to being found in our water, in our air, in our food, or surprise, surprise, being found in in people's bloodstreams. Joining me today is a man who's been known to get jiggy with it. Tunde Ogonlana. Tunde, are you ready to explain how we will never see you attacking them? Because you'd rather be playing ball with shacking them. <laughs> well, since I've never been on TV, no one's got a chance to see, see my beautiful uh, open hand slap. But um, <laughs> maybe one day I'll get the chance. <laughs> Maybe, maybe one day I'll win an Oscar and I can smack the guy who's <laughs> introducing me, huh? <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. Now, we're recording this on March 28th, 2022. And today, we wanted to take a closer look at the metaverse, which, you know, honestly, sounds like just another buzzy tech word for some promise revolution. But actually, in this case, is in fact another buzzy tech buzzword that is, is a promised revolution. Now, briefly, the metaverse has been described as connected, persistent virtual realities, where we live digital lives alongside our real lives. Now, that still it doesn't really break down what it is. So really what you can think of it as an online world and that someone can immerse themselves in or immerse a digital version of themselves in and do or experience things virtually, meaning, you know, like. You're not really there, but the your, your senses can be put placed there and an avatar of yourself or whatever. So if you consider like a, a conventional social media platform, like a virtual message board uh, where you can read and post things in a, through a two-dimensional profile, metaverse platform could allow you to immerse yourself as a three-dimensional character, which a lot of times they call avatars, in a virtual school or a virtual neighborhood or any three-dimensional space. And where you can not only interact with others, but also move around and attend events taking place and apparently invest in digital assets and make money off of things. So, Tunde, to get us started, what do you make of all this talk that the metaverse is the next big thing in tech? And apparently all this money that's backing that talk up in in the form of investment in the companies that are going in this direction. Should we all be trying to make money and buy up virtual property (laughs) metaverse platforms at this point? Well, that second one, I'll have to refrain as a licensed uh, (laughs) financial planner and person in the industry. I can't give you advice as should you be buying and trying to make money in the metaverse. So a poorly worded question. Withdrawn. Before the compliance department (laughs) comes and shuts down this podcast. No, um. Now, look, that's obviously that second question is definitely something that I think you know, we'll probably game out a bit in terms of the long term outlook of uh, of maybe the ability to to really treat the metaverse uh, kind of like the real universe. Right. Like, like on the planet <laughs> Earth, like like can you buy land and can you make investments in the metaverse and all that? Um, yeah. So, like the, so, virtual space versus real space. Yeah, kind of thing. yeah. But going back to the first one of what do I make of all this? And is it the next big thing in tech? I mean, I think uh, you're talking to a guy that 
was told about Bitcoin when it was $11 a coin and said that that would never work. <laughs> um, that first got someone to ask him to buy Tesla at $20 a share and said no one will ever buy a battery car <laughs> and who decided to stop looking at Google when I hit $200 a share because I thought it was too expensive. So, well, so I mean, I'm not the guy. Very valuable. Yeah, because, I, so whatever I, you say, <laughs> we need to that's do That's what the I thought. Yeah, and preparing for the show, I was like, well, if I say it's going to be something big, then it probably will fail. Um, <laughs> and if I say it's not going to work, that means it'll probably take off. So you guys figure it out from here. But, <laughs> but no, so the idea is, I think the infrastructure, the idea, and what everyone kind of knows so far about the metaverse, it appears that it can be something real. And I think we've talked about it, that a great example to me is a film called Ready Player One, that was a um, Steven Spielberg film from just a few years ago. And I remember watching that film and after being done watching it, thinking, yeah, I could see this happening one day. Yeah. So, And that's how a, this 2018. All, so it's yeah. relatively recent, you know, sci-fi. But yes, it, it, it was about people immersing, immerse, immersing themselves into virtual worlds and doing things. Yeah. And, and there were real world implications and there were companies making a lot of money on it. Like it's, yeah, it... Yeah. it, it and there was also the ability, it seemed at least, to have a certain level of wealth in the game. Like you yeah. can make money, lose money for different reasons, all that. And you can make transactions in terms of buying and selling things and trading things with people. So, yeah, I remember watching that and thinking, this looks like it could be real with what I know of technology and where it's going. So, yeah. Well, I'll tell you this. The way I look at things like this, and, and my answer is, I think it looks, like looks to be the next big thing. And I, I would buy into that, so to speak, not literally, but just buy into that from a conceptual standpoint. We'll get into reasons for hesitation or reasons for skepticism later. But the reason I look at it as something to really look at seriously is because the hardest thing from a market standpoint to gauge and to just create, so to speak, out of nothing, and, and or at least to, to, to create in a reliable way, is demand. It's just people wanting something. And if people want something, you can figure out a way to make money on it. But there's a plenty of things floating around in the world that people have made or try to sell and everything. And if there's not demand for it, none of it really matters. The entire advertising industry is built around trying to create demand for things. And that's directly or indirectly. But it seems like people do want stuff like this, you know, like, and, and that's taking it out of the context of my own self personally. I'm not a person who's big on social media, I never really have been. And, but I can look at it and say, yeah. People want this in general. And so therefore, if if that's the case, then what form it ends up taking is going to be really difficult to predict in advance. But maybe the general trends as you see technology emerging, and if there are people adopting that technology and people trying to do that kind of stuff, then it looks to me like something you can pretty much be for sure that there's there's if there's that will, if there's that demand, then businesses fi will find a way to meet that demand and it will expand out in ways that we can't even imagine. I mean, I see this as a patent attorney. There are a lot of great ideas that never get off the ground. And it's not because the idea isn't great. It's just that it never it didn't catch at the right moment or it didn't catch the right eye from a, you know, a, an influencer standpoint, tastemaker standpoint or whatever. So that's kind of what I'm saying, like, is that really when you're evaluating these things, a lot of times it's not looking necessarily at whatever the implementation is at the moment, you know, in the metaverse, these implementations that it's through platforms in the same way social media is done through platforms or whatever. It, it's these platforms that create, that, that create the bones to allow people to create virtual realities. And so it's not necessarily looking at the capabilities of it. It's whether or not 
people are, are gravitating towards it or it, it fits into some kind of need that people either have or, or want. And like I said, with the social media, I don't know if anybody really saw well, some some people on, got it implicitly or just understood it, you know, at an emotional level. But other people didn't really see that. No, people do want to put all their thoughts out there all yeah, the time. Well, you know, and, then, and so like it just it caught some people by surprise. But other people were like, no, of course, everybody wants to everybody wants to do something where they can put all their their pictures out or their their thoughts out. Yeah, and I think that really speaks to, you know, that's the part we can't see, right? What are the capabilities? What are going to be all the offshoots of yeah. this type of technology? Yeah. Just like, like for example, I mean, some of the stuff I read in preparing it today was pretty interesting. You know, a lot of the medical potentials yeah. were things that I didn't think of because I'm still thinking of it as a recreational tool. Um, yeah. Kind of like, you know, I've, <laughs> you know, my little uh, pet uh, passion of fighter jets. Yeah. And my love for that. So one of my favorite things sometimes when I got nothing to do, I've got the PS5 VR set and there's a game called Ace Combat 4. And no, I haven't paid, been paid by anybody to <laughs> do these plugs. <laughs> but no, it's just, I'm sorry, it's Ace, Ace Combat 7 is the game. And um, it's, um, I can put on this VR headset and literally feel like I'm taking off an aircraft carrier and an F-18 Hornet, you know, fighter yeah, jet. And yeah. it feels real. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And I kind of think about it like, wow, imagine in just 10, 15 years, how much cooler it'll feel. Right. Yeah. And so, and so I was only thinking of this metaverse stuff, kind of like I talk about that film, Ready Player One, like as a game, as something to escape kind of reality. And, you know, when you need some downtime, what I, and that's why I got fascinated reading about a lot of the medical uses where, um, you know, they're, they're looking at, you know, from training surgeons, so yeah. that it, maybe they don't have to, you know, experiment on real bodies um, or cadavers. They can go right into to they virtual can get reps. settings. Just get reps, you know, yeah. seeing spatially how things are. Uh, let exactly. me. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna ask you about that in a second. But yeah. one thing I'll point out is that actually the the games and recreation a lot of times is where these things show proof of concept because that's where you can turn the investment into dollars more quickly. Is that the people will, it doesn't have to be fully formed, a fully formed metaverse, you know, Roblox, for example, it doesn't have to be fully formed for yeah. nine to 13 year olds to jump on it and love it, you know? And so, but if you're going to do it, it has to be fully formed more so, or it has to be much further along from a development standpoint to be used for a medical purpose or for therapeutic purpose, like, you know, some of the things we see. So I think that what you're seeing there is just a natural evolution as well. You know, Facebook started for college students, you know, and then yeah. it evolved from there. So, and that's to your point that you just made that we can't look at what it is now and necessarily understand what it's going to be, but we yeah. can see the trend. And I think that's the, what we see here is the trend. And we, it, as long as you can open your mind up, either if you're a person that thinks like this already, or if you open your mind, if you're not a person that thinks like this and you just kind of see how people treat things and say, okay, well, is, is this something people are going to want to do or that enough people are going to do? And then you, you, you can see the direction is going. But I wanted to ask you about what you, where you were going anyway is, what kind of the, which which are the capabilities that we at least understand now the applications the capabilities what what interests you the most you know in terms of the directions is it the medical stuff or the 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 PS, PTSD stuff or what what what's what interests you the most in there yeah i mean i think what interests me the most is flying a fighter jet that looks <laughs> like i'm really flying and maybe one day having like a whole contraption where i'm going upside down in my house you know <laughs> having the whole like i'm pulling g's so that's really if you really want to know that interests me but I do, uh, but for the sake of the audience, I'll act like an adult and not a 10-year-old kid <laughs> and get off my fighter jets and um, get back on the more serious stuff, which is, yeah, I mean, I think the, the health side is pretty cool because, you know, 
not only about like where I was going with the ability to train medical professionals or to be able to, I mean, imagine how cool it would be to put on your VR headset and literally go into your doctor's office virtually. Yeah. So it's not just like a tele app where you're just looking at the screen on your phone. Like you actually are sitting down in the lobby waiting and, you know, somebody's greeting you and that would just be kind of cool, but you really didn't leave your house, you know, just a different experience. So all that stuff is cool. I think I read some stuff about how, which I found very interesting, uh, people with dementia and Alzheimer's, it's, it's helping them because something about their long-term memories. So there is a company right now that is filming things around the country. So they gave an example. They just got finished filming the entire drive of Route 66 yeah. from Chicago all the way to San Diego Pier. And what they said is they've been showing older people, like imagine someone who's in their 80s right now, that may have taken that drive in the 1960s in college or something like that, that that person might not remember what they had if they have dementia, right? They might not remember what they had for breakfast or what they did last week and all that. But deep in their brain, those memories from from earlier in their life are still there. Correct. It's more so like they don't know how to access them anymore, but they're still there. So go ahead. But, but that's what I was saying. So they've done these studies where by people that used to be motorcycle riders when they were younger or things like that, they, they put these headsets on and just let them for like a couple hours just be in the VR with the going on the drive down Route 66. And what they were saying is the car that was driving had a 360 degree cameras and all the stuff that it could take all the right images. And, um, and they find uh, positive effects on these people not so much that they begin remembering what they ate last week or whatever, you know, this morning for breakfast. What it does is it, it improves their moods and it makes them happier, happier because they're able to remember parts of their life that they found to be pleasant. So that was yeah. interesting is they're doing, a, they were working as a, you know, the thing I was reading, they're working on one now for diving. Mm. That basically is just hours of letting someone experience like they're diving in, in wow. underwater in the ocean because Again, that's a soothing thing for a lot of people to be in water and this and that. And they were saying how they're going to start using it on, on elderly people that have Alzheimer's and dementia as a way to just, again, kind of give them something to do and something to kind of look forward to every day as yeah. opposed to just sitting in a nursing home doing nothing. No, so, that, that's, um, that's an interesting um, – Yeah, like so I, those are things that I would have never thought of. I guess that's my point. Yeah. Well, now that – because now when you're talking metaverse, there are – like. It's still very broad because what you're speaking of in particular is virtual reality there. Like you put a headset on that seals you off and then you look around basically and what you see isn't what's around you. It's what's being shown to you through these these glasses, so to speak, or these, these screens that are right in front of your face. There's other forms, you know, that, that, are, that it takes the form of with augmented reality where you can – you have like some that's like the the Google glasses or different things like that now, but it'll be more where you look through something and it – Put it, whatever you're looking at, it will give you information talking about what's going on, on in front of you. So, like if you're looking at a store shelf, for example, and you have these things on, it can actually tell you, you know, what's going on with these products that are right there, anything like that. Or in a medical context, so if, if someone's looking at that while they're performing a surgery, it can do a lot for you. So, the possibilities really are endless. Um, because what you're doing basically is plugging, you're basically plugging someone into an information ecosystem as well that can be overlaid or made a part of either something they had done in the past or information they may not, they, they either may know or want to reference or things they're not even familiar with at all. So the capabilities from that standpoint, being able to present information in that way is, is so it, it's, it's endless as far as possibilities. Now for me, 
I did that the medical slash therapeutic stuff was what really interests me because right now it's very limited what you're talking about like okay yeah you can do this ride from from route 66 but conceivably it can it, it once you open it up in a metaverse context yeah. it can be a world that you could yeah. just interact in and you know it could it could look like the 1960s and you could walk around or whatever or you know it, it, let, let me stop you on there actually just but i'm sorry to interrupt you but i you put something in my mind on a serious note because i'm thinking of the elderly population as relates to things like dementia and as all like the positive uses that we could potentially see mm-hmm. but i think what surprised a lot of us i mean i know you and i uh, when we've talked about things like social media um 15 years ago or so when it was MySpace and all that versus now, I don't think anyone would have thought that the that the biggest demographic that has been susceptible to things like misinformation online and all that are actually the elderly people. Mm-hmm. You know, like the baby boom generation has shown that they're the ones that are the clickbait people. They're the ones that get kind of moved into all these different belief systems um, in social media. And I'm, I'm as you said it, I'm realizing yeah, because usually the older population aren't, you know, they're not younger, they're not building their families, they're not, you know, trying to, um, you know, build their careers and do things like that. They're usually already past all that and they're retired. So they have the time to go and explore. And, and you know, what I'm getting at is it hasn't gone too well with social media and that demographic. Yeah. A lot of it's been more negative than positive. And I yeah. never thought of it, but that could be the 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 negative result too of something like this, where you got all these old people that can sit there and put on these headsets, and they get lost in these virtual worlds. Just, well, yeah, I mean, but that could be a negative yeah. or a positive. You know, it depends because it, it this is where I was going to go with it. Actually, reading yeah. one of the pieces that we we did were looking at in preparation talked about how even pain management can be enhanced through the virtual reality, yeah. you know, uh, approach where you have somebody puts on a headset or whatever and, and, you know, is immersed, but that works for pain management. And really the thing is, is that we don't know how deep our minds go. Like we are not good at navigating relatively, like we're good at it to some degree, but there's much more going on in our minds and depth in our minds that we don't know than what we do know. And so yeah. that to me is ultimately the kind of the possibility that I look at as the the greatest potential here is it may let us explore into our own minds and and find out more about ourselves by immersing us into these into to these virtual simulations or whatever or just uh, like for all we know it, it could end up in some we immerse ourselves into our own mind you know, and, yeah. and that may be terrifying, you know, <laughs> or it could be enlightening, you know, who knows. But I do think, though, that there needs to be some thought on the potential negative implications. Now, as with the positive stuff, we don't necessarily know the direction it would take. But we've seen with social media in very recent times how it can go poorly in, in looking at what can go wrong. Or is there anything that stands out to you as like, hey, this is what we really need to watch out for or anything like that? No, I um, I actually uh, do. I should say, actually, um, not no. Um, <laughs> the things that I, because I, it's like, so I look at social media as such a good example of something that I think was created with great intentions. Um, and no one really, st- I don't think, I mean, I know I look back now and I've read things where s- some people did call out that this could get ugly, right? That you'll see the worst of people on these things and all that. But most people did it. They did think everybody would just be disciplined emotionally to stick to sharing pictures of babies and cats. Well, and but that- it seems like also, though, with that, the, the alarm started getting raised further along in the development, though. 
to, to, I guess, to their credit, like it didn't seem like the alarms were raised initially as much as, as people were developing. And it's like, well, hold up. This, this is cool, but hey, this could really work out in a really negative way. But, but that's, you know, that's neither here nor there. Your point is still well made. Go ahead. So what I'm getting at is we've seen the negative side of social media because what happens is people get to hide behind, like most people don't treat each other to their face negatively. But when they have the veil of secrecy that the internet provides, we've seen that people can be very nasty to each other, right? Yeah. And that's my and concern. The secrecy, the distance, you know, the person yeah. that you're talking about isn't right in front of you or isn't exactly. within arm's reach or whatever. Yeah. And and it allows for this kind of um, dehumanizing of others, you know, more so I think that, that that you don't see the humanity in someone else because you're not in their face, right? You, you, you're able to hide from, from a long distance and behind a screen. So that's kind of my concern is, you know, you could have just like some people have become addicted to certain things on the internet or addicted to social media. Um, I'm I'm pretty sure we'll have the same issues of people being addicted to the metaverse if it really becomes that robust, like like in the movie Ready Player One. Um, some people probably could get more harmed. You know how we've had all those studies that have come out about um, Instagram and the rate of um, depression and suicide increase in teenage girls and things like that. I mean, why wouldn't we see? potential negative effects like that with a more um, virtual domain. You know, this is on a screen that's not even like a virtual world, right? Imagine if you're really putting a helmet on and the whole harassment you're getting online from from your peers in high school is actually like, it's almost like you feel like you're walking around and they're picking on you, you know, like that could be worse. But and I so, mean, that's, it's, the, the thing is, I mean, what you're saying basically is that we can't create a space that will protect us or save us from the dark side of humanity. Correct. I mean, and so it's, it's, all that it stuff is, is going to come world. with it. Yeah, all that, yeah. all that stuff's going to come with it. And so what we can do or, you know, what you hope is going to happen is at minimum that there's some foresight in terms of understanding that. Because what we seem to see with social media is that that wasn't either that wasn't fully appreciated at the time or it was actively ignored. You know, and so we we can see now very good examples of how, OK, no, 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 the dark side of humanity is coming no matter what. If people are coming, so is that. And so what can we do to to make it so that that's not as tied to a platform's success or tied to a platform's popularity? Because right now, the social media business model negativity is what drives it. And so we're yeah. in a bad situation there. So ideally, and when the metaverse platforms are created, there, it, we can be set up in a way where negativity isn't a, such a vital part of the business model. And so no, the agree. other part about it, though, I was going to say with that in the business models and so forth, you, you mentioned people getting addicted to social media. Well, that's by design. I mean, like that's the other thing about the business model that we see with the social media is that because their currency, because their value is based on how long someone's on it, then what they do for market reasons is figure out ways to hack your human, you know, like your, your human, uh, human beingness, so to speak, your mental biases, your, your weaknesses, everything like that. They try to break into all that stuff and get you addicted because that yeah. means more money for them. And so ideally, again, it can be with foresight, it can be set up to where that the business model isn't set up screwing people up. It, or excuse me, the business model isn't set up around how good can you screw people up? And that's how, that's how much money you can make and so forth. So, but I do want to, like, the metaverse has been talked about as far as kind of the next stage of the internet. So as we head to that, from a financial standpoint, I mean, and, and I'll harken back to the dot-com bubble, and you've made some good analogies about that. Like, 
do we what what we're seeing now as far as the early adopters is there is there anything we can kind of surmise from that as far as where it's going or or what what's happening here or is this are we just in for the complete unpredictability and you know we'll we'll just see what happens type of thing yeah i think it, that's a good question. There's definitely going to be economic activity general. I mean, there already is, uh, which I'll bring up in a second. Uh, uh, economic activity being generated in generally in the metaverse, like you're saying, there's not there's various ways that one can enter the metaverse. But and I'll give you an example. Like um, there, there's land in the metaverse that's yeah, being certain sold. Certain platforms and, will sell. I guess not real property, but uh, virtual yeah, but property. virtual property. Yeah, and I'll give you an example. There's uh, two. One is called Decentraland. The other is called Sandbox. Uh, they're two of the biggest metaverse platforms for selling real estate. Um, a year ago, the article I'm reading says that um, both were selling lots for under one thousand dollars, and the um, and the currently the uh, the value of those same lots are at around thirteen thousand dollars. So something went up thirteen times in a year in this, and I think it's. You know, kind of like the dot com bubble that you mentioned earlier, it's hard to tell. Is this some sort of euphoria like the dot com was? And it, you know, are are people going to get hurt that get in at the top or near the end and get a wipeout just like the dot com bubble? Um, or is this something that will be a little bit more sustainable from the outset? I think it's too early to tell. But I do think that there's definitely economic activity going on in, in this space and that I don't yeah. think it's going to stop. Put it that way. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and that's kind of how I look at it. Uh, that was where, you know, my point with the demand thing. Like, there's people want to be there and people want to do things there. Like, it's interesting, virtual land in these platforms, though, because the scarcity of land is a big part of the value of land. And, you know, like, it, land can be here, land can be there. But obviously, in a virtual thing, it can, it, it's not fixed to reality. And what, like, you can't just create, fabricate more land. So there's the question of, how it's going to grow from a, a virtual standpoint is one that's it's open, so to speak. Now, the creation, and this is where things like uh, NFTs, non-fungible tokens, come into play because you can create unique things. And that's bottom line, what a non-fungible token is, is a, is a unique uh, it's a it's a unique asset, so to speak. It's a unique thing and b- confirmed by code and encryption you can prove that this is this one. It, it, it's, it, this is what it is. Now, whether that has value depend on what it is that is represented by that and who is wants that or not. But just the concept of creating something unique, if it's something unique that people want, that's how you can, can value, that things can increase in value. So ultimately, I say all that to say, there is, you can see structurally from, like supply and demand still governs a lot of this. And so you can see how people can get excited about something there can be unique things created and then therefore those things could be something that people would want and then that would create the demand and the, if the demand exceeds the supply because there's only a thousand of them created of these unique things created. So you can see how that can work. But I think the, the and you actually said this to me offline um, and it, the, the, the area where you look at this from the dot-com bubble that's very ex- instructive is that a lot of times, and I, like I said, you've made this point well, I think in the past, people look at the dot-com bubble as a washout. But it wasn't really a washout as much as yeah. it was a culling. It just like the there were there were companies that came out of that and are now some of the biggest companies in the world. And it's just that all of the companies there were there were a hundred and representative there were a hundred and only two got through. But those two are are huge now. You know, in the ninety eight 
either got bought up or they they just went out of business. So what we don't know who the winners are going to be right now. It could be a decentral land or it could be something else that doesn't even exist now or that's really small right now. And so that's the risk, I think. And if you're looking at this from a, from a, oh, yeah, this has so much potential. It's like, well, yes, conceptually, it has a lot of potential. But which ones of these things are going to be the winners and which ones are going to be the losers? And most of them that we see are going to be the losers. There's going to be a few winners, though, and the winners are going to be huge. And so that's the part that makes it so unpredictable, but honestly makes it kind of, you know, like kind of interesting, you know, like because if you knew exactly this is what's going to happen, you know, then I mean, you're, you're, you're Biff from back in the future. You know, like it's like, oh, well, you just pick all the winners. But ultimately, there's, there is the, – the bones are there for value to be created and for value to grow in some form. The question will be, though, who, whose value grows and whose value dissipates or, or, or goes away. Yeah. No, it's um, – that's why it's, it is a good analogy that um, something – you know, some sort of wipeout will probably happen with all of this activity between crypto, NFT, metaverse, all that. Yeah, the guy but who right. um, the guy who said that was pretty pretty sharp, man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the guy who said it, he was so worried about a wipeout, he didn't get into Bitcoin at eleven dollars. But anyway, <laughs> but um, but no, so I, I it just you know when it comes, how it comes, who knows? But again, just like that doesn't mean the metaverse goes away. The other thing before we jump to, I think to recognize that could be one of the pitfalls that came to my mind as 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 you were talking is you know this idea of fraud. I mean, think about how bad things are now with cybersecurity, cyber fraud, um, people getting ripped off just randomly. Yeah. So I could see, you know, the guys that know what they're doing, the right hackers and the kind of those that want to be criminals in the cyberspace area will be able to hack people's metaverse accounts. So they might be able to create lookalike, you know, things where you you buy something from that that looks legit or like you're putting your money in your Chase ATM in the in the uh, in the metaverse but it's really, you know, some phony one. So I think well, and let know, me, I think let there's me room for a lot quick, of because what you're saying is true and like we see it like with the phishing and stuff like that with a lot of these things, these digital wallets and so forth, it's your password and that's it. And if if you get your password phished, your your all your money can be gone and because the way the blockchain works, it's not coming back. Like it's it's not like the bank will be like, oh yeah, you're insured for up to a hundred thousand dollars or up to two hundred fifty thousand dollars. It's like no, if somebody gets your password, any assets you have stored associated with that can be gone and untraceable. So it's the the risk of fraud and having no recourse is very high with stuff like this. Yeah. It's, it's secure as long as you are able to protect your stuff. But as you said, with cyber cybersecurity, being able to protect your stuff is not a given, you know, in any context. Yeah. So, no, I mean, and it's interesting too because you're right. Like, let's say you own you own a bunch of real estate in the real world. I mean, you generally know how to protect that, right? It's physical stuff. Yeah. But imagine if you you had a bunch of stuff in the virtual world, like properties and all that, and then someone came and hacked your system and stole it all, like literally in a split second. Like, how do you well, account for like you, yeah. you don't know who it is? Like, if somebody Correct, if yeah. you own a building. And somebody tries to steal it from you. And I mean, you, you, the person has to like, they can't not be there in order to steal it from you. And so it, there's a certain level of connectivity. It's been a while since I picked up a building and walked away. <laughs> Next time you need my services, sir, I'll be ready. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so I mean, but pushups. It, it, there, there's a certain level of disconnectedness where these things can happen in a metaverse type of context and virtually and generally that, you know, is, is just going to be a whole nother thing. And, and how society tries to deal with that will be, you know, we create opportunities, we create problems that we had to solve so yeah. but i think we can jump from there man speaking of creating problems that we have to solve uh apparently 
people, well, the people that were tested, I believe this was um, over in Europe, they tested people's blood and found microplastics in them. Now, microplastics, we did a show on this not too long ago, how microplastics are in our water, they're in the air, they're in the food, and this is like microscopic pieces of plastic. And so now they're in the human bloodstream, and nobody knows what that means as far as... The assumption is, which seems like a safe assumption, is that it's bad for us, but how bad, how it's going to be bad, no one really knows. And so, Tunde, I mean, how disturbed were you to find out that scientists now can detect and observe microplastics in human blood? Um, <laughs> I'm so disturbed that I can't speak. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, seriously, I, I, I read about it. And then I remember talking to my wife and saying, so this is how bad we screwed this planet up. I could eat perfect. I could eat, you know, no fat, no butter, no salt, all that. And, you know, but <laughs> the article said that Basically, you over time, your arteries could get clogged and you could have clogs in your internal organs from microplastics. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I, real, I was telling her, like, wow. So no matter how healthy you try and be now, you know, just our environment has so much of plastic in it now. They were saying it's we breathe it in our nose. Correct. You know, like it's, it's just, it's just kind air. of in the air. It's, it's, it's every water bottle, every... Uh, for food packaging is so much of it. And so it's, it's literally impossible to totally avoid it if you live in any kind of urban or suburban setting. I mean, you literally would have to go really off the grid and have your own farm. And no, that's, that. the, yeah. that's the point. No, yeah. you cannot avoid it. This, no, you're right. Well, hold up. This stuff has been found at the top of Everest. Yeah. Like there, there's no, no more right. remote than that. <laughs> the wind's blowing it everywhere. And, yeah. and that's what I mean. It's just, it just, it, it was pretty shocking to me. I mean, that's the thing, right? It's shocking, but at the same time, it's not unbelievable. Like you said, we already did shows about, I remember the one we did, it was like a year ago on microplastics that they found them at the most deepest part of like the Mariana Trench or whatever that thing yeah. that's seven miles deep from, yeah. you know, below sea level. And they found it in shrimp down there. Yeah. So you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's just, you know, at some point um, we're going to have to deal with this. And I think the longer we take as a society in terms of the whole globe dealing with it, the more painful it is going to be to deal with. It. And I think it's going to end up being like the pandemic, you know, the, the COVID pandemic, which we're just not going to want it. But the earth is going to force us to deal with it on the earth schedule and not ours. And just like the pandemic, everyone's going to be bitching and moaning when they can't have as much plastic and have much thing. But, you know, instead of trying to have some sort of soft landing from right now, everybody's still wants to fight about it. Well, I mean, I'll tell you this. It's, this is, it, I'll say this, but don't take me wrong. Um, now, so give me a little bit of runway to, to, to try to lay this out. Often, many of us in our culture kind of worship the, the Western culture, the Western way of life. But I will say this. This is one of the clear limitations, the Western culture, the Western way of life, capitalism and all that, it's all built on constant consumption. More, 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 more. It is not a culture that seeks to find balance or that sees balance as a virtue. And that's not, there are cultures in the world that do. And so, and I'm not saying this to say that the, the, the Western culture is terrible or the Western culture should, you know, like I'm just observing, I'm calling it like I see it. And, and so I, I think that part of the problem that we have, because, well, part of the problem, I should finish, finish this off, part of the problem that we have is that we don't know any other way. 
all we're doing, like we are talking about this right now. There's microplastics in our blood. And right now the forecast is that we're going to be consuming much more, using much, much more, much more plastic over the next 20 years. Like, it's not like, oh yeah, it was all screwed up. But then, you know, like we, we now see the value and balance. And so we're ramping it down now. Like, no, we're still making things worse on an increasing basis because that's all we know is just consumption, consumption, consumption. If we have a problem, we're going to dig our way out. And if we happen to be in a hole, then we're just going to keep digging because dig, that digging is the only thing we know how to do, so to speak. And so I think that ultimately for us to try to get clear of stuff like this, there's going to have to be a shift in the way that we approach our our, our day-to-day or our, our cultural values, so to speak. Because as long as everything's going to be based on just all-out consumption all the time, you know, you, you, you just more, 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 more. We're seeing the same thing with the, the environmental stuff. You know, like we cannot get a critical mass of people to to sign up for renewable resources. You know, like it's and renewable resources logically sounds like an amazing idea. Like, oh, you mean we could just make as much of it as we want? <laughs> like, but but nah. because well, of the because... way because of the way our culture is is, is kind of just it doesn't appeal to us as much as drill baby drill. Like that's just that as emotionally resonates with our culture more. And so, I mean, I, I just think that's that's a limitation of it. I mean, it, the, the culture has done a lot of good things, you know, and, and driven, you know, dri- taking us to the moon, you know. But at the same time, you know, like as with everything, you know, like there, there's things, the blessings and curses, you know, oftentimes can, can come from the same thing. Well, that's why I was going to say, though, it's it's less about things like even consumption and capitalism and more about our inability to just want to change. Well, so, but I'll tell you this. When I say like I, I'm saying capitalism and I'm saying a a cultural thing in terms of kind of a, a creed, so to speak, and it's just an approach. I'm really not trying to indict capitalism from this. No, I, I didn't say you were you know, because, because I, 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 think, I recognize that that's not what you were doing. Yeah, I'm just I more think saying that can be part of the solution here. I just think yeah, that no, it's more I, though about the how how we approach problems. It's it, it we're a consumption based, and I mean again that that's. That served us well in many areas, but in this area in particular, we it doesn't we humans in in our type like it's not a given for humans to have such a huge footprint. Basically, that we take but, it as but, a grant, we take it for granted because we live here, but it's not a given. Like trying to find balance with our surroundings is not something that is like the the craziest idea in the world, but that is offensive in in a sense to the kind of the Western culture, so to speak. And I, and again, I'm not saying it to indict it. I'm just, I'm just observing it. You know, it's no, just I, I think you're right because the, the Western culture, I mean, there's one thing I remember reading something about the kind of the Europe in the 1700s, 1600s. And one of the, you know, if you can picture that the Kings used to have and the noblemen would have these huge gardens, you know, mm-hmm. and one of the ideas and the kind of cultural thing about that was the bigger and more pristine and more elaborate your garden was. And remember, I'm talking about big, like acres of stuff, not like me and you in the front of our yard type <laughs> of thing. But, you know, where they would make those mazes out of hedges and stuff, yeah, yeah, and big, yeah. big time stuff. That Because what it showed was your ability to dominate nature. Dominate as, nature. As a, as a ruler. Like you yeah. were such a good king and you were so badass that you could even control nature. Correct. Like you, even nature had to bend to your will. Well, now as, you're with. Now you understand what I'm saying. Because yeah, I'm talking I'm deeper yeah, that's than. I like, get it. That it dominating nature is a is is a is a part of the fabric of that. Yeah. Whereas, like to your point, where let's say the Native American culture, most tribes in the in the, in the Native American cultures um, didn't want to dominate nature. They looked at 
humans as an extension of nature Correct. and that they were there was a partnership. So I get what you're saying. I mean, other cultures I'm, around the world, too. It's not just the Native yeah, Americans. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's... I, we Most, can, we, we're not going to go down that. that yeah, uh, that's a whole different story. Yeah. So, but it's a, <laughs> but it's here's where I wanted to go on this. But but here's my concern is because it's is less about. I, I think it's more about us and how we've evolved in our culture now. I know not all countries and cultures behave like us. And I'll say this: I'm a proud American, so I don't want people thinking I hate I hate Americans. But there is one. There's certain areas of our culture where we do need to step it up, and we are soft. And you know, again. People saying that wearing a mask is an oppression, like we're during slavery or something, is is a joke. And then think about it. Like I've thought about it. Every time I go to the grocery store, they give me plastic bags. But when I was a kid in the '80s, I remember they had paper bags at the store. Why don't we just go back to paper bags? That's there's there are simple steps that could be taken. Just like when we did the show about the disappearing butterflies. One of the simple things I remember was just putting milkweed on the side of every road, mm-hmm. and then and then certain plants that are real cheap and could just be planted would help the butterflies on their journey because, you know, and that's it. And, and something simple like just having a law, a regulation that says no more plastic bags in America, paper bags. But then I thought to myself, look at how many people complained when the, the industry tried to go to plas- from plastic straws to paper straws. Remember yeah. in the last yeah. few years? Yeah. I remember going to lunches and dinner and people were sitting there complaining for minutes. <laughs> like making these big, uh, oh, I can't believe this straw sucks. And I'm looking at this thing and this is like the littlest thing we can do. <laughs> like literally. It's, and then I oh, see yeah, it's a, a picture a of a, a, the video of the sea turtle that's got a poor thing's got a straw stuck in his nose. It's bleeding. They're trying to take it out with tweezers because it accidentally, you know, went through his nose somehow. In the water. And it's just like, that's what I mean by people are so selfish. And that's what I mean, that they, they, there's no ability to sacrifice the smallest thing for someone else because you're being asked to. It's all about this hyper-individualism, me, me, me. And at some point, that's what I mean. I know that individualism is something that's stronger in the American culture, and that's something that I embrace. It's a good thing in certain ways. But in other ways, like, like the virus, we do got to remember that we are in a collective society, and the virus didn't care about politics or state borders. And it's just like the, the natural disasters, other things. You know, we, we all got to come together in certain ways. And you would think the environment and the ability to do something simple, like have a paper bag or have a paper straw, wouldn't be something that takes someone out of their comfort zone. Well, that's, uh, that actually, that takes me to my point and, and that my underline, when I was saying about the cultural thing is, and but also bookending it with saying that the culture has brought us good things is that what we have to recognize a lot of times is that with most like it, it, it while it's appealing particularly to like you know the, the 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 juvenile mind or the kid mind that something is all good or something is all bad most things have a positive side and a negative side and so like the this the the, the kind of culture that we're talking about that has led to amazing things also has a negative to it too, in terms of other things. And so if we can recognize that, accept that, and then try to figure out ways to counteract that and say, okay, well, we, we kind of tend more towards this. So let's make sure we make a little bit extra effort on this other area. Then we can get a better result. We can try to improve our weaknesses. You lean into your strengths and you, and you, you try to, you, you bring up your weaknesses, so to speak. Uh, I mean, that's sports teams do it all the time. You know, good companies do it all the time. Like that, that's how you improve. That's how you advance is you lean into your strengths and you try to bring your weaknesses up. And so certain characteristics 
bring certain strengths. Let's lean into those. And then, but they also come with certain weaknesses. Let's acknowledge and let's try to work with those. And I want to say one other thing on this, and that is always remember to your point, your focus defines your reality. So what ends up happening is there's just not focus on this, you know, like this issue, this environment issue, like the things that can go wrong and so forth, because the, the problems are remote, because, you know, it doesn't drive clicks or because whatever, it, it's not something that it was focused on. So it, it really just doesn't become our reality as much as things that may affect us less, but that are, are talked about all the time. And so therefore they're focused on, it's therefore becomes people's reality. So that's what you see when you see these kind of imbalanced reactions where people are super crazy, passionate about remote issues and then issues that are, affect every single person are like, eh, who cares? Because it's just not their focus. So, I mean, well, I, I think, think, but I think part of it is they're being driven both, Different people are being driven to different focuses based on their ecosystem, right? So and that's why you've what, got- Based on what they think will capture their attention, as opposed to what's good for them or what, what's information they need to know. It's just, will, they, will this get them addicted or will this keep them watching? And if we got to tell somebody to eat their broccoli, you know what? We're just not going to do it because then they'll turn off the TV and find somebody that's telling them they're the greatest thing in the world. And so we just have to keep telling them they're the greatest thing in the world and they're a victim because these other people are trying to hurt them. Like that's the message that sells. That's the message that makes money. And so that's the information people get. And so end up ends up being people's realities are based on these, you know, just these things, whatever things people think so keep their attention. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying is that is that, and that's why that's why it's interesting now with this fractured ecosystem of information we have because those different passions are so strong. Like, right, there's some people that the environment is their main thing. Yeah. That's all they care about because they're emerged and that focus is emerged in those kind of ecosystems where with yeah. other people, they think it's a hoax. You know, like that's not it, the last thing on their mind and their thing is, you know, Dr. Seuss or whatever the, you know, the, 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 the thing to worry about is. So it's just interesting, man. And that's why, that's why I do feel like, you know, just to finish off the whole thing, right. From the beginning of the discussion, for me, I feel like it, we're not going to deal with it. The earth is going to force us to, and it's going to be painful because we're not able to have a shared vision to how to deal with this as a, not only as a country, but think about the whole world. Well, but that's where, and I, and I will wrap after this, but I want to say, and that's where, uh, America, United States as a leader in the world could could really step up and take its place. And that part of the reason the world doesn't care is because we've signaled that it doesn't matter. And actually, if you want to compete with us, you have to not care as well. You know, like you, you, if you start caring about stuff like that, you're going to be tying one hand behind your back as far as trying to deal with us. So it's one of those things. I mean, you, you push for better. I mean, you always push for better. I would hope that that's something that this is something we all face, a threat we all face. And so you would think that we can get more people on board with it. But ultimately, it needs to be more people's reality. So, I mean, this is why we talk about it here. I mean, because it just yeah. needs to be something that's on our minds and, and we can start accounting for it in our, our individual decision making and in our collective decision making as more people have it on their mind. So we appreciate everybody for joining us on this episode of Call It Like I See It. Uh, you can find po- the podcast wherever you get podcasts. Uh, subscribe to it and rate it review it tell us what you think and until next time I'm James Keys I'm Tim Devon Lana alright and we'll talk to you next time